And so, particularly if you're coming for the first time, you may experience the silence as something a little um, daunting. You may experience it as kind of a little strange or awkward. Sometimes the experience of sitting at a table with others eating without speaking can feel kind of a little strange. So, maybe if that's true for you, if you find the silence and the solitude difficult, I invite you to remember it that it's an invitation, something to rest in, to drink deeply of. And there may be other moments where you're very, very touched by the quality of silence and of solitude. The the deep pleasure that can be there in walking quietly in the garden or of eating at the table with others without having to present oneself. You don't need to be anybody here for anyone else during these next couple of days. the phone won't be ringing for you. And you could also take that as a reminder if the managers haven't already mentioned it to turn off the phone. So our this invitation or this, <coughs> this work that we undertake here together is a work with our consciousness with awareness this natural and yet extraordinary capacity we have to be aware awareness reveals awareness reveals our experience and so just as we sit here right now Wherever you turn your attention, there's experience and the revealing, we could say the revelation of it. And so as I speak, if you turn your attention to the hearing of my voice, there's the hearing and there's the recognition, the revealing, the acknowledging of that hearing. There's seeing, and then if we look, oh, there's knowing the seeing. If you turn your attention towards your bodily experience, just to feel the pressure of your buttocks on the floor or on the chair, there's the physical experience of that, the sensation, and there's the knowing. It's revealed in something. The experience is revealed in our knowing of it. So this knowing... This revealing, this uh, recognition of our experience is so close to us, so ordinary, so always there, right? No awareness, then no experience. It's so always there that we really take it for granted. We gloss over it. We get so caught up in what we're hearing, in what we're seeing, in what we're feeling that we don't notice the significance often of that which is 
revealing the seeing, revealing the hearing, revealing the feeling. So this revealing or recognition, this knowing, this awareness, I use all of those words as synonyms. This knowing is the ground of our practice here, the heart of our practice here, that which we turn to again and again, that which we're cultivating in meditation practice, the capacity to be aware, to recognize the significance of being aware. To allow awareness to be transformative in what it reveals. So I'd like to speak a little bit about some of the qualities of knowing, or the qualities of awareness. And those of you who know me well will recognize these three as my kind of chestnuts. The the Buddha, and you'll recognize them hopefully better as the Buddha's chestnuts. But, so within the, the Buddhist tradition, the Buddha talked about these qualities of practice, which in Pali are called samatha, metta, samatha, vipassana, metta. And which as a kind of mnemonic, I, I uh, refer to as connection, curiosity, and care. And because our practice will be grounded in awareness, looking for awareness, turning towards awareness over these days, I want to just explore what, what are the qualities of that that are important and why are they important. So samatha, means focus, calm, steadiness, concentration, connection. The capacity to be really connected to what's happening, moment by moment. And in making our meditation one of being connected to where we're at, being focused on our simple, momentary, current experience. We're aligning ourselves actually with the way things are. We are very, very connected to life. It sounds almost silly to say it, we're very connected to life. Of course we are. And yet we often experience ourselves as somehow separated from apart from, in struggle with, in conflict with, isolated from. And we can experience ourselves as isolated from others, as isolated from life in general, even as isolated from ourselves. We say, I don't know who I am. I feel cut off from myself. So the first quality, really, of cultivating clear presence, knowing, awareness, is one of connection. And that 
means coming back again and again and again to where we are. And so as you sit here now, before we start to formal meditation practice, just to take a moment now to feel where you are. And to give a concrete context for that, just let your attention be really in the physical sensation of sitting here. Really feel your legs. So really feel your belly. To notice if there's any, if you're holding any kind of tension patterns in your body. And if so, just as you breathe out to let them go. So that you're sitting here in a way that's relaxed and alert. And whether in periods of formal sitting meditation or formal walking meditation, or in any of the other periods of the day. This practice of connection, this willingness to come back, to inhabit where we're at, in a simple and direct and immediate way, is the very foundation of what we're practicing. It's also something that's Quite, it can be quite extraordinarily transforming, even on its own. Because we have such strong habits of abstracting our attention, and going off into fantasy, into worry, into anxiety, into imagination about what's going to happen, what could happen, what might happen. about going off into regret, nostalgia, memory, and to the past. Or in going off into abstracting around the present even. Getting caught up in the describing, in the analysing what's happening. So this first great quality of samatha, of connection, is about the willingness to be right here where we're at, inhabiting our experience. And when we notice that we're not doing that, that we've gotten caught up or led away, it's about coming back again and again. Aligning ourselves with the, the profound truth that this is it. This is where our life's happening. Nowhere else. 
The second quality is curiosity. Vipassana in Pali. Vipassana means to look into deeply or to see clearly, to see into. Life is profoundly mysterious. Profoundly mysterious. And yet we easily get to think we know lots about lots of things. We think we know. We know about our body. It's this size, this shape, this age. There's this and that wrong with it. There's this and that that are a shape other than I'd like it to be, etc. We think we know about our minds. We think we know about other people. We think we know about the way life is through our descriptions. And it's not to say that there isn't a validity to those. And it's also to recognize that life is profoundly mysterious. And that in terms of liberating our life, in terms of really exploring human life, we're invited to be really curious, to put aside what we think we know and to really look and see, what is this? What is it to sit quietly and take this breath? So curiosity is a Firstly, aligning ourselves with that truth of the depth and the mysteriousness of life. And it's a way of taking us deeper into our own experience. So as we sit here, for example, we might find ourselves feeling uncomfortable, restless, agitated. Habitually, Our normal tendency is so easily, if we feel restless, to react to it, right? We react to restlessness by thinking, oh, what time's lunch? How much longer of this sitting? Why did I come here? What else could I be doing? We react to restlessness in producing a whole bunch of criteria or in producing a whole bunch of things that seem, in the face of restlessness, seem to be more interesting, right? When there's 20 minutes left of the meditation sitting and we're feeling restless, those 20 minutes can seem like an eternity. It can seem like the whole problem of my life lies between me and the meditation bell in 20 minutes. But our practice invites us to be curious about restlessness itself. Rather than, this is a a very, very important part of this kind of practice, it's also a radical shift in the way we usually meet life. A shift from reacting to what happens in our hearts and minds and body to being interested in what's happening in heart and mind and body. When we experience restlessness, for example... And over the days, we'll look 
at the different kinds of mind states, the different kinds of things that we that we experience just by sitting here quietly observing ourselves. And we ask, what is this that I call restlessness? That I call, oh, I want this and I want that and I wish this 20 minutes was over. How come I'm restless? What's going on that I really don't want to face or I'd rather distract myself from or I'd rather escape from? How come I want to escape? Then we start to see some. Oh, there's some real discomfort. Oh, and then we get curious about the discomfort. What is it? Oh, there's some kind of agitated feeling in my belly. And we get curious about that. What's the agitation? Oh, it's it feels like fear. There's some sense of fear of sitting here quietly. Oh, what am I afraid of? Etc., etc. So our curiosity aligns ourselves with the mystery of life and leads us deeper into what's happening. So that rather than living an enslaved life, really, of reactivity, to our compulsions, to our restlessness, to our confusion, to our anxiety, to our fear, to our greed. Rather than reacting to all these movements that go on within us, we're able to actually meet them, explore them, understand them. Let them be liberated. Let them be free movements, that means. And the third quality then is one of care. Metta in Pali. Metta means care, goodwill, friendliness. Usually translated as loving kindness. To care for our experience. And what we're doing in cultivating, in practicing care, is actually also aligning ourselves with a deep truth. That... Care or love is what makes all of this possible. The universe is love in action, somehow. And it sounds rather clumsy to say it like that. And yet sometimes we have some sense of that. It may be in some quiet moment in nature walking in a forest watching a sunset it may be in some moment of particular intimacy with someone else it may be in a particularly refined state of mind in a, in a deep meditative state where the usual sense of boundaries between ourself and the rest of life 
get dissolved or thinned. And we're struck by some sense of wonder, of beauty, of intimacy with life. Wherein something in us recognises that this somehow is love showing itself, this sunset, this intimacy. That this is life, this means all of this, us, all the manifest universe we could say is life enjoying itself, appreciating itself, manifesting itself, loving itself. And at the deepest level, that's what we're aligning ourselves with in practicing care. But in terms also of the way that acts on our consciousness, along with the connection, along with the curiosity, and care is saying, let this be here. To really care for our experience is to allow it to happen. The most caring thing we can do for our experience is to let it be as it is. Without trying to modify, manipulate, improve, get rid of whatever's happening. And this too is a radical practice for us. We can spend habitually a lot of time and a lot of energy fiddling about with our experience. Trying desperately to fix it, manipulate it, improve it, get rid of it. Have a different one. And in this practice, we're really giving ourselves to caring for what is happening rather than struggling to try and change it into what we'd like to be happening, what we think should be happening, what our friend told us was happening when they did meditation, for example. And these three qualities really support and deepen one another. And so with the experience of restlessness that I just mentioned... That curiosity about it is very much supported by the care, by this saying, oh, this is restlessness, and letting it be here. It's an extraordinary gift to offer oneself, to let oneself be the way one is, to let yourself be the way you are, and to practice with that. So if you find yourself with a doubtful mind. Practice with the doubtful mind. If you find yourself with an angry mind, practice with an angry mind. To care for anger is to say, oh, wow, anger. Okay. How come? It's extraordinarily respectful to our life to let it be here and to explore it. 
And it's also, and this can be very unexpected for us, extraordinarily peaceful. It can be an extraordinarily an extraordinary relief to let our consciousness be how it is right now. To let our experience unfold the way it is right now. It's a relief from the tension, the agitation, the struggle, the dukkha, the party word, the suffering of endlessly thinking, oh, that's not quite right, and this should be like this, and oh, don't feel like that, and, and try and be like this. So, by that I want to give you full permission to be the way you are over these next couple of days. To connect moment by moment as deeply as possible with the way you are right now. To be as deeply curious as possible about what's happening right now. And to really care for what that is. To let it be here. To let it unfold. And every single element of this weekend is designed to support that. That's what we're here for. That's what Gaia House is here for. That's what I've come from my home in France, missing the England-France rugby match tomorrow night for. (laughs) So the silence and the schedule here, the sitting and the walking and the eating here, the teachings, the meditation instructions, the discussions, the questions and answers that we'll have some opportunity for. All those are in the support of us maximizing the Dharma resources, maximizing our aligning ourselves with the way things are. Connecting to, being curious about, caring for life's momentary unfolding and what can be revealed in that. Okay. So, I'd like us to to spend some time in meditation together. About half an hour maybe. And before before I start, I just want to say a little something about posture and uh, firstly please if particularly if you're new to meditation, right, one of the the managers mentioned that people were asking, Oh, is it okay to sit on the chair? It's really fine to sit on the chair. There's no correlation between um, exploring and liberating our life and the position of our legs. So if you're comfortable on the floor, then that's fine. And if you're really not comfortable on the floor, please use a chair. There's uh, there's more chairs, I'm sure. Are there more chairs? Yeah. So if you need to use a chair, then uh, there's chairs in that back room. 
and either right now if you'd like to or before the tomorrow morning um, please feel free to do that what is important whether one's sitting on a chair or whether one's sitting on the floor is to take a posture that's really upright that's really awake And that, so that the attitude of body expresses the willingness to connect, to be curious, to care for. And often we're not very used to sitting in a way that's really bright and upright. We're used to sitting in a way that's rather collapsed slumped, lazy, dull, unconscious, etc. And sitting in a way that's really bright and upright and straight can feel not only unfamiliar, but kind of a little bit forced. So I just invite you to come back to that again and again. And you might find that over time, that means within two or three minutes you start to slump so just to come back to that if you're sitting on a chair then it's really helpful in terms of the the being upright to not use the backrest so to sit in a way that's unsupported and you might find that that's easier then to sit more on the edge of the chair if you have short lower legs that don't comfortably reach the floor then you can put one of these zafus underneath your feet if you're on the floor then if you, find, if you have an established way of folding your legs then great if you're kind of experimenting with that then feel free to experiment a bit but what's really helpful is to be stable that means to have your knees and your bum in this kind of steady triangle so if you find that when you sit cross-legged your, your knees are kind of f- floating in space then you can just chock them up with some extra cushions so that you can be steady. And your legs can be folded in front of you or one across and one behind, like that. Or both behind in a kind of kneeling posture or on one or two or three cushions or whatever. So, in beginning, just to have a sense of your posture. It'll take a couple of minutes to to do that. Beginning by just having a sense of your back being really straight and upright. You can even make a little arch in your lower back so your belly comes forward a little bit. And just initially exaggerating that a little bit and then relaxing. And the same with the shoulders. So as to really support your chest 
and lungs being open. You can move your shoulders back in a slightly exaggerated way and then relax. And you can just move your torso slightly forward and back and side to side until you just feel that place where you're really balanced and upright. And your hands just at rest on your knees or in your lap. Your eyes gently closed. Your jaw relaxed. Your gaze behind your closed eyelids pointing downward slightly. And then bringing your attention to your belly, to your diaphragm. And just feeling the movement of expansion as you breathe in and then contraction as you breathe out. And if you can't feel that expansion and contraction in your belly, just take a couple of deep breaths so that you do feel it. And then just let your breathing revert to being natural. Whether it's long or short, rough or smooth. Letting the body breathe itself. And bringing all your attention and all your intention to being steadily aware of the movement of the breathing in your diaphragm. And so connecting with the actual physical experience, the actual physical experience of the breath moving in your belly. 
So you're not thinking the breathing, you're really feeling it. happens. The way it naturally stops and the out-breath happens. The way that naturally runs out and then the pause and the in-breath comes again all by itself. And if you notice the tendency to control or describe or measure your breathing in any way, no need to make a problem out of that, but just coming back to placing your attention in your belly, inhabiting the direct experience of breathing in and out. And just letting go of whatever else might be going on. Not letting yourself get pulled away into abstraction, into thinking about this and that. And if you notice that that's happened, then without fuss, just reconnecting with your breathing. Cultivating the capacity for steady presence, for connection. For resting with just this, moment by moment. Breathing in and breathing out.
Are you giving yourself wholeheartedly to staying present with the breath? Really tracking the beginning through the middle to the end of the in-breath. The beginning, the middle through the end of an out-breath. Letting yourself relax into presence, into connection. into just being right here with this simple object of meditation, grounded in the belly. Breathing in and breathing out. Just seeing if your posture has slumped at all. 
And if so, just coming back to sitting in a way that's upright, alert, and also relaxed and at ease. Just seeing if you can be unshakable in your commitment to be present, to 
stay connected with the object of meditation. And if you find yourself caught up and lost in thought, then not to give yourself a hard time for that, but just to use the very act of noticing it to re-establish the commitment, to come back to your belly and to breathing. In this way the commitment can be unshakable. Even if you find yourself naturally carried away.
and when the bell rings, as you open your eyes and maybe adjust your posture, just see if you can keep your attention grounded in your belly. Stay connected with your breathing so that the majority of your attention stays with yourself. And you allow sights and sounds just to come to you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.